Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart. Hey, did I get your attention? We're doing something special for the next month. We're going to focus on now business. Like how do you generate income today, right now? My name is Jesse Zagorski. You probably know me as one of the regular hosts here, producer of the Agent Power Huddle. I'm also a broker associate with eXp. And what I keep hearing over and over again is agents that truly need to shift their business. The market shifted, they need to shift and they got to close the deals today. And so whether you're a brand new agent this series is for you. Experienced agent, this series is for you. It doesn't matter. Agent on a team, team leader, we're going to give you strategies and techniques to figure out how to scale and grow your business to close deals today. Not in the future, not tomorrow, today. This is what we're focusing on all month, the techniques, the strategies you need. So welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Ooh, welcome to Agent Power Huddle. Hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm Amy Izzo. And it's Bill on the team with Amy title company edition. I'm at a title company today <laughs> doing a closing. So bear with me because I'm on my phone. So hopefully just someone give me a thumbs up if or thumbs down if they can't hear me or something crazy happens. Um, awesome. So very good. I am an agent in Northwest Indiana um, and also the Chicagoland area. And I have a team as well. Uh, and I'm excited to talk today about how to move our buyers through the process, through the pre-approval process, through the shopping process, through the closing process, so that we're writing more contracts today. <laughs> to tie into what Jesse was talking about today, how do we move them through? I'm hearing a lot of agents talking about the fact that we have a lot of buyers pre-approved in shopping, but moving them through the process to write the contract to close on the home is uh, tending to be a little bit more difficult now than maybe it was before for a variety of reasons. So I want to talk a lot about how, what are the strategies and techniques? What are the conversations um, that we want to use to move our buyers through the process all the way through writing the contract, especially in a market where things have really changed for buyers quite a bit. And um, what they see and what they hear are things like interest rates are high. Interest rates are double what they were a year ago, right? A little more than double in some cases, depending on your buyer. So that's what they see and what they hear. What they need to hear from us is a lot of information, education around where we were um, prior to our low interest rate drop, what happened during that interest rate drop and where we're at today, and a little bit of where are we going, right? None of us have a crystal ball, but where do we think we're going? Um, the more we can become educators of our clients, the easier it's going to be for them to make decisions, and it's going to help us move them through the process a little bit faster. So um, the first thing I want to talk about is um, I have a few topics that I want to put this under. The first thing I want to talk about is shopping without a pre-approval. This is my favorite phone call. Buyers that call up or that I call, they respond to something and they, I want to go shopping. I want to see one, two, three Main Street. Great. Love to see your pre-approval. You know, what's your financing look like? And they don't have any. I don't have any financing. I just want to see the house. So here's my philosophy on this. My philosophy in this is always to talk with them a little bit to understand where they're coming from, right? That's the first thing I always want to do. My process, have a process. My process is always to understand them first and where they're coming from. So, hey, I'm so excited to show you 123 Main Street. How'd you pick that house? 
right? How do you let them tell you why it's the dream, why they want to see it so badly, right? How do you, I always ask them then, great. How do you plan to pay for the house? Are you taking a loan or will this be a cash purchase? I ask that all the time. Rarely does anybody tell me it's a cash purchase, but I ask that question all the time. Would it be a cash purchase or is this going to be a loan? It actually makes for a great conversation. If it's cash, they tell you. So, you know, right away, if it's not cash, they laugh, especially if they don't have that kind of cash, they laugh, you know, and they'll say, ah, I wish it was cash. Right. And I say, oh, me too. (laughs) So it it creates a little more rapport with them, um, but it allows you to enter the pre-approval conversation without saying, are you pre-approved? Did you do your process? Right. It allows you to just get into a conversation about, hey, how do you plan to pay for it? So what kind of a loan do you have? Um, The other thing the other the other conversation allows me to have is well it's really important for me to understand what kind of a loan if you're going to be doing a loan what kind of a loan you have because not all homes qualify for all loans so perhaps this is a home that's conventional lending only and if you're VA or FHA we may not be able to make this home available to you right why are we going to go see something you can't get a loan on for example, and that's real, right? Not every home takes every loan. Buyers don't know that. So having these conversations allows us to help them better understand, oh, I do need to get that pre-approval done so that we know what kind of a loan I'm going to qualify for. I also always ask them, what's your budget? Is it the price of that home you told me about? What's your budget? Or is there some other budget? right? What's your budget? And however they answer me, my next question, guys, is always, how do you know? How did you calculate that budget? And people go, what? (laughs) Well, how did you pick that number? How do you know? How do you know that's your budget? And, you know, sometimes they'll say, well, that's that's just a price that looks good to me. Or I used a mortgage calculator online and I, which we love, don't we? (laughs) I used a mortgage calculator online and that looked good to me. Now this allows me to see what's their level of expertise. What do they know? What don't they know? Where can I fill in the gaps? If they say I used a mortgage calculator online, I can go, great. I know there's a lot of tools out there. Often those calculators can be wrong based on how they're programmed. Sometimes they don't get grab the, grab the taxes appropriately. Sometimes they don't grab the real figures around the type of loan that you have, right? Because it's very much based on the loan. So um, what we, I, I tell them what my clients often find is that when we get one of our trusted lenders to calculate the mortgage, it's a very different set of numbers. So it just allows you, just by asking really good questions, it allows you to have this conversation and move them from, I just want to see a home to, ooh, maybe I do need a lender to help me verify my real budget. I also like to tell people that might be your budget, or we might find out it's less. We might find out it's more. And that does happen, right? Sometimes people tell me their budget is 250000 because that sounds like a good number to them. And then when we do the financials and I show them what's available at those numbers, they suddenly want to spend three or 400. And that does happen, right? Because they want a different 
kind of house. And now they have the numbers behind it. And often it helps move them to another price point. And it's not just lower because that happens too, but it does move them up as well. So when we get that call that says, I just want to see the house, I'm not pre-approved. We want to walk them through the line of questioning to keep moving them through the process and move them into uh, move them in, move them into pre-approval status. Oops, sorry guys, cutting out a little bit here. Um, so that's the first one. The second one I hear a lot is um, I have credit challenges. That's the second one I have. Oh, I don't know. I think I might have credit challenges. So I do not end these conversations with those these folks that have credit challenges. I ask them, where? Why do you think your credit is? What do you think your score is? They usually know one of the three scores, right? Whichever one they're using. So, and they always they can't always tell me which score, but they can tell me I'm using Credit Karma, and so then I know, okay, what kind of a score is that, right? Um, this allows me to have a conversation with them about how mortgage is calculated. I like to use a term that's called the mortgage score. It's not a real thing. It's just language that I use. I tell them, well, if you're using Credit Karma, you're probably looking at an Experian credit score, for example. And for mortgage, it doesn't matter who we talk to. We look at all three credit scores, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. And then we use the middle score. So if you think your score is, six, is 620, it could be 620, but it also could be 610 or 640. It just depends on where you're pulling that score, what your other two scores look like. We're always using the middle score. Just an opportunity to educate them. Sometimes they their they think their credit is low and it's not always as low as they think. I've had people at 700 credit scores tell me, I don't think it's high enough for me to buy a house. I think I have a credit challenge. And then I find out they have a 700 middle score. Um, and I'm like, what? So those credit challenge uh, clients, I like to talk to them. Here's what I tell them. I say, if you're serious about buying a house, it's not a matter of if you can buy a house. It's simply a matter of when. When we go into the financial process, we may find out that you can qualify today, or we may not. We may find out that you'll qualify in the future. Um, and then it allows us to then put them in our pipeline for the future. And if they need credit improvement, to get them into credit improvement so that we, they can purchase with us or to get them, um, give them a little advice so they can improve their credit themselves. Sometimes they just have to do one or two simple things. They don't really need help improving their credit. They just need some advice and then they need to take that action and we can revisit them. And then, like I say, a lot of times I find out credit's not as bad as they think. And it's really not an issue. So just asking them questions and understanding what's holding them back, why they think they're credit, their credit challenge and letting them know you're going to be there for them no matter what um, is super important. The next one I get all the time is I don't have enough money. I'm not ready. I don't have enough money to buy it. I'm like, I'm always like, great. You don't have enough money to buy and you're not ready. That's amazing. Um, am I freezing still, Lisa, or am I okay? Oh, I'm sorry. I just saw it's your It's just note. random. It's, it's, it's oh, fine. It's just a little, a little glitchy. No, that's okay. It's not oh, stopping and freezing. It's okay, just a good. Little... <laughs> sorry, guys. That's <laughs> because I'm off my normal location. Um, Who's okay. holding your phone, Amy? It's, it's bouncing around like they're doing jumping jacks. Oh, it's because I'm holding it. I don't have a <laughs> Just holder. giving you grief. 
I wasn't supposed to be here and I wanted to be here for all of you. No, <laughs> uh, we appreciate you very much. Just giving you great. I'll go Sorry, back I'm on mute now. I don't know that to I'm dancing while I talk to you. Love it. <laughs> I'll try to I'll try to do better. <laughs> You're doing great. All right. All right. So my favorite one is I don't have enough money, right? I don't have enough money and I don't think I can really buy right now. Okay. Well, let's talk about why we don't have enough money. How much money do we have? Do we save any money, right? Sometimes there is some money saved. Um, also, do you know that depending on your, your circumstances, you may qualify for down payment assistance? Don't poo-poo that, realtors. You know how many deals I do with down payment assistance? And you know what? In my, in my state, well, I'm in two states, but in one of my states, their income can be like 73,000 a year and they can still get down payment assistance. And so even if they have five grand in the bank, and a lot of times they'll have three to five grand in the bank, but they know they don't have enough, right? For the down payment and the closing costs, but they'll qualify for down payment assistance, which is a grant given to them. The only strings attached is they got to live in the house for a while. I tell them, take, if you qualify for that, A, let me figure out if you qualify for that, it's free money. B, if you do live in the house until you have to move, and if you move sooner, check your state. But in our state, in one of my states, if you move sooner, all that happens is when you sell the house, you pay it back out of the net proceeds of your home. It's not coming out of your pocket, out of your savings account. It is coming out of the equity of your home. So if you live in your home responsibly and pay your bills, you're not going to have a problem. And I always tell people, you're planning to pay your bills, right? And they're like, yeah. Look, okay, so let's talk about down payment assistance with those folks that don't have enough money. How much money do we have, right? Hey, if we can couple some of what you have with down payment assistance and we are back in a negotiating market, I'm so happy. I'm negotiating closing costs at all price points, concessions for my buyers at all price points. Some of that to buy down their rate, some of that to do those two one buy downs, right? Some of that just to have them keep more money in their pocket at closing. So let's get some seller concessions and think about if I couple seller concessions with down payment assistance, know your numbers, right? Know the maps that you can do, talk with your lenders. All of a sudden they're putting very little down. Now we're talking earnest money, inspection and appraisal fees. That's it. So move them through the process. Teach your clients what's possible for them right? Teach your potential clients. These are humans. What's possible for them? You might, and you know what? Maybe the answer is they don't have enough money and we have to wait. And that's okay. But what I find is when I create the opportunity to have the dialogue, often we can help them and they don't have to wait and they can buy a house now that they're interested in. So um, that's my favorite one is I don't have enough money. This is where we've got to have our knowledge. What are the resources you can help them with? Seller concessions, right? And down payment assistance programs, right? Know what those are in your area. No VA loans. If you're in rural areas, no USDA, right? Know about them. So what are the guidelines? Get with your lenders and really learn and then pull out the talking points, right? We're not going to read the crazy guidelines to anybody, but pull out the talking points that you can use in your consults. Um, when you're chatting with your clients, um, potential clients. Uh, rates are too high. That's my next favorite one. The rates are too high, Amy. The rates are three times, two times what they were. The rates are normalized, guys. Take them through the history. Listen, 
prior to 2020, this rate sat between 5 and 7%. Some of that time between 6 and 8%. Geez, our parents, right? Or even grandparents paid double digits. Let's pay double digit rates. Let's not go back that far. But just a few years before 2020, those rates were between five and 6%, depending on your credit worthiness, right? Because sometimes we pay a little bit of a higher rate if we're higher risk, don't we? So, right? So I explain that to people and say, and then they took a nosedive we could have never anticipated you know, in 2020 and, and held for longer than I ever guessed they would, right? At this low, these low numbers, but that wasn't sustainable. So they've come back to more normalized uh, rates. Let's come up with a strategy to make that, to make sure that buying a house is affordable for you now. Don't worry about the 7% on the paper or the seven and a half. Don't worry about that. Let's worry about what's your payment that's that's comfortable for you. How do we translate that to a house that's affordable? Do you even want a house that looks like that then, right? If we know you can afford $300,000 house, you can get the payment you want at the interest rate that we don't really love right now. Is that affordable? If that's affordable, let's go down that process. Seller concessions, right? Let's work with your lender. Let's work with the sellers and negotiate some costs. I just negotiated... Um, Six uh, percent back on an FHA loan on a four hundred and ten thousand dollar purchase. Some of that is going to be used to reduce the buyer's cash to close. Some of that is going to be used for the two one rate buy down. In case we don't know what that is, what's going to happen is the rate when we lock them in was seven and a half percent. We're going to use about three thousand dollars of the six percent that I negotiated to buy down that rate. Um, the first year, it's going to be two points lower. So they're locked in at seven and a half. They're going to have five and a half percent for the first year. Then the rate the next year is going to go up one percent. So it's going to go from five and a half to six and a half percent. Now, if we wake up a year from now and the rates are lower than that, they can refinance to a lower rate and get out of this, right? But if not, if the rates are still where they're at or still higher than six and a half, they're going to be able to get six and a half, right? And then after that, the year after that, it can only go up one more point. So use some of those funds in the seller concessions to get them a better rate now and make that rate a little bit more palatable for them. That's also a good strategy around affordability. Sometimes the 5.5% rate is more affordable on the price point of the house they want to buy than the 7.5% rate. Let's get them there. So buyers don't know that we have these tools in our toolbox, it's time to pull them out. And if you don't know about the tools, because maybe we're newer and we haven't had to do this, go learn the tools, right? Get with your lenders. What are the programs? What are the things? Get with your mentors. Message me, right? It doesn't matter. I will help you. So it doesn't matter where you're at in the world. We all have a lot of the same tools. You may have some local programs I don't know about, but that's where we can leverage a really, really great lender. Okay, so that's the other thing that I want to talk about. So the last thing I want to talk about is while they're shopping. Guys, we're in the market now where there's more options. Inventory is still lower overall, but it's higher than it was. And so this is where the serial shoppers come out, right? I just want to shop, 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 shop. I want to see 55 homes. Nobody's showing you 55 homes, okay? We don't want to do that. So we really don't want to do that. So we want to get the buyer the best home. I don't want any of my buyers settling, right, for less than they deserve. I want them to get the home. But have a process. Have a process for 
we have a process for how we qualify a lead, right? We have a process for how we do a buyer's consult, how we talk to them. I know we've been talking about buyer's consults and all the different ways we can do them all month long. Have a process for how you shop. Have a process for how you shop. So once my here is my process for how I shop. Once my, and I tell my buyers this when they're going into pre-approval. Number one, when I'm sending you to pre-approval, we're going to get you pre-approved. We're going to know your price point and your loan type. Then I'm going to refine your search to make sure that you're getting the right homes at the right price points that qualify for your loans, right? So if you, if we have, if you're FHA only and we have no flexibility, I'm not sending you conventional only homes. I'm not sending you those because you can't do that. You can only do FHA qualified homes. So that's what I'm sending you. So I'm going to refine that when we get your pre-approval. Once I get the pre-approval, my process is call them up. Congratulations, you got your pre-approval. I refined your search, right? Just to make sure you're getting all the FHA qualified homes. If you see something else and you're curious, ask me about it. But if you're not getting it from me, chances are it's not an FHA loanable home, right? So that's the first thing. Second thing is, I tell them, I want you to shop everything I've sent you online. I'm going to recommend, and I do this, I'm going to favorite some that I think you should see. I want you to tell me what you want to go see, and then we're going to set up time to go see them. When I take them to see the homes, I tell them at the first home, I open the first door and I show them the first home. And then this is my process. I tell them at the first home, okay, let's talk at the end. What did you think of that home? Okay. And I listen to what they say. Great. Then I say to them, I'm going to ask you this at every house, right? At every house, I ask them, what did they think? And then I'm going to have them compare because I want to narrow down their list and create a list of no's and a list of maybes, hopefully a short list and a list of yes, right? Till we get to the home. So every home, we're going to have this conversation. And I tell them that I'm not Vanna White turning the letters on Wheel of Fortune. I'm not just opening all the doors until you pick one. And I remind them at the beginning of our, or at our first showing, when we're having that first conversation, I remind them, here are some of the things you thought you wanted when we had our consults, right? Um, and then we're learning together if they really want those things or, or are we changing their criteria, right? And sometimes criteria will change when you're shopping. Now, if we don't find anything the first time out and they're shopping for a ranch home and now they're asking me to see two stories or buy levels, I'm saying, hey, that's a two-story. You said you needed a ranch because you can't do stairs. Do you want to see a two-story? Has something changed in your criteria, right? To keep narrowing them down so that I get them to write an offer on something they love sooner. Rather than tell me what you want to see. I'll take you shopping. I'm just going to open doors. We're not going to have a lot of conversation. When you pick one, I'll write an offer, which is a lot of what I hear and I see agents doing. So have a process for how do you take them through the process? How do you talk with them so that you can get them through the homes that meet their criteria, that meet their loan requirements, that are affordable for them, and write a contract that gets accepted? Write a contract that gets accepted. Um, a lot of listening to what they say um, on the showings too. So I walk with them all around my showings but I kind of give them some space and I'm listening to what their conversation is amongst each other, what their needs are um, and just qualifying back to them. This is what I, this is what you were looking for before. This is what you said on the last home. What do you think about it on this home? Just to help them, help them move them through and help them eliminate homes. And 
ultimately pick the best home for them. Then um, another one I'm seeing a lot, I just talked to my team about is people wanting to shop way over their budget. One tip I'd like to give everybody here today is really know what's happening in your market. Go back now and run the numbers and take a look at list price versus sold prices over the last 90 days, right? 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Go look and see what's going on in your market. How much are the price reductions on average? If your if you, if MLS notes the seller concessions, two of mine do. So if they note the seller concessions, how about how many of what of these solds have seller concessions and what do they have? You should be able to say things like homes are selling at 95% of list price on average. And sellers are giving concessions of, you know, five to 10,000, if that's your number, right? You should be able to tell buyers that. So when they want to see homes that are just a little over their budget, but they're not sure if it's got a little market time, if you can qualify the activity, it may be okay to show them something a little over the budget because you may be able to negotiate it down based on what's going on in the market. But you can also use this if they're trying to see homes that are too much over their budget, right? 50,000, 100,000 over their budget, and they think they can negotiate it down that low. If we're not talking multi-million dollar properties, the sellers probably aren't coming down that low, but they may come down. So saving yourself and then them some time and some heartache by taking them to properties that are realistic for them from for their affordability that they you could actually get under contract for them um, and explaining to them why with the data right this is what's going on in our market why that you think that's true why you think that's important so that we're not showing them a fifty thousand dollar home if they can't really afford a, a home that's or a home that's 50,000 over their budget if they can't really afford that and it's not going to come down that much. That would be the last that would be the last one I would have. Um and then I would say this too, when buyers want a low ball, um I'm seeing some agents lose over 5 or 10,000 dollars and they're like, "Oh, we lost that house over 5 or 10,000 dollars." When it's not a multiple offer situation, or when one more sneaks in, right? It was just me bidding and now one more snuck in and they were five grand more than more than me. When I feel really strongly about where a buyer should be coming in, the one question I ask them always is, if you miss this house by $5,000, if you learned later on that you could have won this house if you bid $5,000 up or call it 10, you use the number, okay? How will you feel? Will you be crushed? Will you feel really disappointed that you didn't bid five or 10,000 more? And if they say yes, I go, then we should bid more. And we can use the rest of the real estate process, the inspection process, the, re- the appraisal process, the rest of the process to negotiate where appropriate, if that's what we're going to do. But you got to feel good about that price you're bidding at because that may be your closing price. But if you are not crushed that you're going to lose it over five or 10,000, I'll write the offer for you if you really want to try. But when I know, you know, I'm checking before I write these offers, what is the activity on the home? Are there any other offers coming in or expected? You know, I'm checking at every time. So that's the information I'm giving my buyers when writing the offer. So my buyer that wants to do a lowball offer, I don't want them to learn a lesson. But I'll tell you guys, sometimes your, your clients have to learn a lesson. So if you're having these conversations and then you write the lowball offer and they lose, and then they don't have another shot at that house, they learned a lesson and you never have to say, told you so because you educated them up front 
And then you can be empathetic with their situation, but use that to remind them on the next one. I just went through this with a buyer. He really wanted to lowball. We we were the only offer, but they thought one more was coming in. I said, this could be multiples. You know, it may, well, it's only two. It doesn't matter. Sellers don't have to come back to us. They don't, they can accept an offer on the table. They can counter everybody. They can counter no one. They can do what they want to do. They do not have to come back and give us all another shot. And buyers seem to think they're always going to do that. That's not true. It depends on not only on the price, but all the terms of the offer and what their level of motivation is and what their situation is. And we don't always know all of that, right? So um, we got, when we're bidding up against anybody, even just one person, we've got to come in with the buyer's best offer. And so part of that is getting them emotional about it. How do you feel if you miss this by five or 10,000, right? If you don't feel bad about it, well, let's give it a shot and see what happens. 50-50 chance we get it. <laughs> if you feel bad about it, you feel like you'd be crushed, you'd be super disappointed. Let's write the better offer. Let me get this under contract for you. So that's what I have for you. I hope those tips help you move your buyers through the process to writing contracts, to getting in the closing table. Let's get those people that are shopping under contract, right? Let's use the strategies when they're afraid and they're getting pre-approved, they're afraid to make offers. Let's use the strategies to buy down their interest rates. Let's use the strategies to help um, reduce their cash to close. Uh, We are back in a negotiated market. Let's celebrate that and let's do it. (laughs) All right, everybody, have a great day. Take care. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.